This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Hello, I'm Carmen Pate. I'm your host for today's podcast. We're so glad you've joined us. You know, sometimes we as Christians use terms and phrases that we've heard repeatedly in church, and we've developed an understanding of their meaning under the teaching of our pastor or maybe a seminary instructor, or even through a personal study of God's Word in Christian commentary. But our understanding of that word or phrase may be skewed, and it may not be biblically accurate. So what we believe has eternal consequences for our salvation and for our daily life. Our Christian friends may use the same words or phrase, but have a different meaning. So how do we resolve the differences to understand what God intends for the meaning to be? Well, you may be surprised, for example, to hear that there are different interpretations of the meaning faith that saves. Well, today we want to see what God says in the Word and how we might clarify the differences of opinion. Here to help us glean from the scriptures is Dr. Dave Anderson, the President and Professor of Biblical Languages and Systematic Theology at Grace School of Theology. He's a graduate of Rice University. In addition, Dr. Anderson received his Master's in Theology and Doctorate in Greek New Testament and Early Christian Literature from Dallas Theological Seminary. He has authored numerous books, including Triumph Through Trials, Portraits of Righteousness, Maximum Joy, and Position and Condition, to name a few. Welcome back, Dr. Anderson. Oh, glad to be here again. Good to see you again. Oh, always good to see you. And you know, I think it would be a good place to start if you would give us a definition of faith that saves that you believe best aligns with Scripture. Okay, uh, I assume when you say saved, you're talking about going to heaven? Yes. Okay, Yes. the word saved has a lot of different meanings in the uh, New Testament. Yes, it does. But if we're talking about going to heaven, the first thing to understand is faith, what that is, and it's basically fully trusting something. It's not, not complicated. Right. When you sat down on that chair uh, this morning, you put full trust that that chair could hold you up. Yes. When you drive down the road, you put full trust in the steering wheel and various other things aspects of the car to get you to your destination. Okay, mm-hmm. So that's just mm-hmm. trusting something, uh, and that's really the basic meaning of, of faith. Now we say faith that saves, now we have to get into something else, because what will take us to heaven? Well, again, not complicated. John tells us over and over and over, like 99 times, mm-hmm. just believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul answers the, in a, Acts 16, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Yes. So really the, the debate gets down to the meaning of belief or the meaning of faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone in Christianity that I know of would say you do have to believe in Jesus. Yes. But what, what does that mean to believe in Jesus? That's mm-hmm. kind of where, where the rubber uh, meets the road as far as the debate is concerned. And, yes. Uh, uh, we, let me see what other questions you have, and I'll yeah. decide how far to jump into that. All right, all right. Well, you know, you describe the nature of faith as more than just intellectual or mental assent. In fact, you teach that the nature of faith includes the mind, the emotion, and will. Explain how those are involved. Okay. And again, I need to highlight that uh, yes. I get lots of debate on this stuff. Yes. Uh, 
uh, way back in the time of Augustine, he thought faith was mental assent. And uh, John Calvin wasn't far from that uh, same view. It really wasn't until Theodore Beza and a little bit later Beza followed John Calvin at the Geneva Academy. And then uh, William Perkins and the uh, Westminster and all that, that they added an element to faith that was beyond the intellectual. Mm-hmm. And they added an element of the will. And they said it's a commitment to follow Jesus and all that he says to do. So they would say it involves mind, emotion, and will. Mm-hmm. I would say it involves mind, emotion, and will. But I wouldn't say the commitment of the will is to obey Jesus and everything he says to do. Mm-hmm. We call that lordship salvation. Yeah. Now, we believe in lordship sanctification, mm-hmm. but not mm-hmm. lordship salvation. And we'll probably get into that later in our discussion. But I would say with the mind, you have to comprehend what Christ is promising. Yes. So you comprehend the, the claims of Christ. And he just uh, basically says, if you believe in me, you'll live forever. That's one of his promises. Yes. Uh, then with your emotions, you have confidence that what he says is true. Mm. It's, a, it's, a, uh, it's confidence that you have. Yes. And finally, with your will, uh, you make a choice to trust or to commit to those claims or to those promises. Yes. What yes. he said. So to me, it involves the whole person. Everything involved, mind, emotion, and will. And uh, in order to get uh, out from under the teachings of Lordship Salvation, many have pulled back from the will part, saying, no, 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 no. That that was added then by Beza and Perkins and these people. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't what Calvin taught. It wasn't what uh, Augustine taught. So they want to pull back. At the same time, uh, some of them don't want to say, well, it's it's not just a mental thing. It's... It's not just mental ascent. In fact, uh, those in our camp are often accused of teaching that, that we think it's just mental ascent. And it's because so many of them are reacting to the will aspect of, uh, mm-hmm. of faith. But to me, when they do that, when we react to the will aspect, when we take the will out, uh, we're falling right into the hands of uh, what some people call hyper-Calvinists or five-point Calvinists. Yes. Because yes. their system is totally deterministic, mm-hmm. meaning... In eternity past, God predetermined everything that will happen. Even when I make this gesture with my hand, that was predetermined. Predetermined. God Mm -hmm. is a divine micromanager of everything. Mm -hmm. Well, that takes human choice away. And uh, as you've heard me say before, when you take choice away, Mm -hmm. you take love away. Mm, I assume when Bob uh, courted you, at some point he asked you to, Marry him, right? Yes, he did. He didn't hit you on the head with a club, right? <laughs> no. Now, why did he ask you? <laughs> well, he loved me, but he wanted to know that I loved him and yeah. wanted to spend my time. And without giving you a choice, yeah, he, he wouldn't know, would he? Right, uh-huh. right, exactly. So when you take human choice away, you rip love right out of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And God mm-hmm. is love. Yes, he is. And the Bible, mm-hmm. if anything, is a love story. Mm-hmm. So I will stand strongly for choice. Now, uh, that takes you into a new discussion. Um, R.T. Kendall, a, uh, a scholar uh, from Great Britain, actually a Yank who wound up pastor of All Souls Church over in Britain, uh, wrote a book about Calvinism. And in there he says he believes that uh, faith is not so much a decision, that would be the will, mm-hmm. as it is a persuasion. Mm, okay. Right. And I can follow that to mm-hmm. a point. For mm-hmm. example, let's say you're a little girl, grew up in a Christian home, they take you mm-hmm. to Sunday school church. You get involved in Awana. You start memorizing Bible verses. Mm-hmm. And at some point in there, you just believe. Yes. Meaning you don't make a, you don't wrestle with some sin in your life. or You have to realize that we're all sinful. Yes. 
but uh, you're just persuaded of the claims of Christ and the Scripture. You think it's true. Yes, At yes. that point you believe. I don't think that person had a big uh, uh, wrestling with their will. Mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. Okay. But on the other hand, uh, haven't you met people who have wrestled? It might have been in their teen years or adult years. Oh, of course. They struggled a long time. And, yes. Uh, some would all, almost say, I, I, I believed against my will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. But... Uh, uh, in reality, their will was involved, and they made mm-hmm. a conscious choice. Yes. Now, we do that with faith all the time. Yes, yes. You actually chose to sit down in that chair. Mm-hmm. Your will was part of your decision to trust the chair. Yes, yes. All right. So, uh, I think generally uh, will is involved. Does it have to be involved? I don't think I'd go that far. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good. I, I, I wonder what complications... Uh, for those who say it's you know faith that saves, the faith that 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 takes you to heaven, uh, commits to obey Christ's commands. What implication does that have on a person's understanding about salvation? If 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 I am told in order to be saved you must keep Christ's commands, that's what the will is. Uh, then. What implications does that have? Well, if have? you put it that way, in order to be saved, you must obey Christ's commands. We would say that's faith plus works. That's mm-hmm. going beyond biblical faith into actual works. And, of course, the Bible, or Paul is so clear that it's yeah. faith without works. Yes, know? yes. For by grace are you saved by faith, not of yourselves. You know? So it just it's brings up more confusion in that person's mind. I think that's mm-hmm. yes, why yeah. it must, must be clarified. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, I have to say this, though, to be fair. Many of them won't put it quite the way you did. Okay. They'll say, you have to be willing to obey everything Christ said to you. Okay, See? okay. So it's not, it's not so much you have to go do it as you have to be willing to do it. Willing to That's do it. That's a little it. different wrinkle on it, uh, actually. But it's, mm-hmm. we would still say that uh, is a commitment of the will mm-hmm. to obey everything Christ said to do. We would th- yes. still throw that into the, into the Lordship Salvation camp. Still adds, adds words. Yeah, well, for yeah. example... Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, I remember a brown bag at the seminary years ago, which uh, uh, a brown bag means you bring your lunch in a bag. Yes, and sit yes. Around, ask questions of a professor. And uh, I may have shared this here before, I can't remember. But uh, hypothetically, a student raised his hand and hypothetically said, Okay, I'm a homosexual. Uh, I want to go to heaven when I die. I believe God's out there, but I don't know how to get there. What do mm-hmm, I do? Mm-hmm. And the professor said, Turn from your homosexuality. Believe in Jesus, and you can go to heaven. Well, uh, to me, that would be putting the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, with the homosexuals I've dealt with, it's a stronghold in their life. Yes, yes. And they don't have the power on their own to turn away mm-hmm. from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good point. The other thing is many of them don't want to turn away with it. Mm-hmm. So the question then would be, could a homosexual... Uh, choose not to give up his homosexuality and still go to heaven. Now you're into the, into the real debate. Because mm-hmm. uh, many in the Christian fold, good and godly people, mm-hmm. will say no. That would be ongoing sin in their view. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you can't be a Christian and have ongoing sin in your life. Mm. Others of us, and I'm one of them, would say no. If it's by grace, there's nothing you have to do in terms of lifestyle to go yeah. to heaven. Yes. Uh, but Jesus cleans his fish after he catches them. He yeah. truly does. Yeah, yeah. And so if there's something in your life that uh, he feels is inconsistent 
yes. with God's character, you can be sure the Holy Spirit will be working on you. Yes, yes. Uh, you can always harden your heart. You can sear your conscience, but uh, you'd have to willfully harden your heart. You'd have mm-hmm. to uh, choose to sear your conscience. Yes, that's a very good example because uh, certainly I've known those who uh, who are in the homosexual lifestyle who have accepted Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. but it was maybe months or maybe even a year or so later that the conviction of the Holy Spirit was just so strong for them that they finally surrendered and recognized mm-hmm. uh, that they had not turned from their sin and that they did want uh, to live mm-hmm. their new life in Christ Jesus. So, mm-hmm. so I, I I appreciate that uh, yeah and as a pastor yes. you're going to run into uh, people in your church who are bisexual yes homosexual and the ones I've dealt with I found out because they came to me mm-hmm. and they were convicted that it was wrong and they yes. wanted uh, a deliverance from it and so I befriended many of them and uh, watched over them for years some of them never got out mm. uh, they'd be out for a while and they slip back in yeah. out slip back in yeah. uh, Am I going to say that God's grace isn't great enough to cover that mm. sin? I'm assuming the biblical view, which I think is the biblical view, that God says homosexuality is wrong. Yes, okay. yes. Uh, I'm not ready to say that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, uh, exactly. God's grace is amazing. <laughs> well, I think back to your, your book, Position and Condition. Uh, are those who would include that uh, uh, obedience to Christ's commands as part of faith that saves. Are they confusing position and condition, do you think? Uh, I don't think it's a confusion of position and condition. Uh, it's a confusion of what you need to uh, uh, be in the right position with God. Uh, they're just at, I, I see where your question comes from. Is They're adding a lifestyle change, which we would mm-hmm. call our condition, I guess as a requirement to get in the right position with God. Uh, but I would just say there, uh, it's a confusion over uh, what faith is, what's, mm-hmm. what's required. Because uh, they'll all, I think they will all say, well, that's not true either. I was gonna say they'll all say that it's faith alone in Christ alone, but no. I just read a book uh, where they're saying, no, it's definitely faith plus works. In fact, I read three books saying that. It's faith plus works. But what they do is they take the works and they cover it as the Roman Catholics do with uh, Philippians 2.13. Uh, 2.12 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then yeah. verse 13 says, nevertheless, it's God who works in you, both the desire and the power to do his good pleasure. So they divide our works into two camps, works by the flesh, works by the spirit. Mm-hmm. They would say works by the spirit are required to go to heaven but because they're by the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, mm, uh, it's, it's, not, not works. it's not meritorious on our part. Okay. That's how they squeeze that in there. Interesting. And the Catholics do the same thing. Yes. They say yes. works, uh, and this all comes from Augustine, mm-hmm. that uh, yeah, works are required, uh, but those works are Philippians 2.13. It's God who does it all through you. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's still grace. In other words, it's, it's God's grace that works through you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. And, and we, of course, uh, know that God does work through us. Uh-huh. But, but we say uh, we also recognize works by the flesh mm-hmm. uh, and works by the Spirit. Yes. And we would say works by the flesh are burned up at the judgment seat of Christ. Mm-hmm. Works by the Spirit are 
rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ to bring yes. glory to God forever. Yes. So we shift many of the uh, what you're calling saved discussions, mm -hmm. going to heaven discussions, into getting rewards or not yes. at the judgment seat of Christ. Yes. And I think that, that clarifies so much. And yet so many in other persuasions, like in the Reformed tradition, mm -hmm. uh, they don't believe in a judgment seat of Christ separate from the great white throne yes. because they are not pre-millennial. Yes. They've taken yes. the millennial, millennium out. They're amillennial. Where if you're premillennial, there is a judgment seat for believers and a separate one for unbelievers. Yes. Separated by 1,007 years. It makes a huge difference. It makes a total difference mm -hmm. in how we believe about so many things. Exactly. What we believe yes. about the end times. and, and uh -huh. uh, Yes. Yeah, what you believe about the future, yeah. or what they call eschatology, yes. does impact this going to heaven discussion, mm -hmm. or what we call soteriology. Yes. Okay. Okay. So there can be lots of disagreement about the future because we don't know everything, mm -hmm. but we do know uh, what it takes to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Well, we would hope that we do. Yes. But of course, those on the other side of the discussion hope they yes. do as well. Yes, 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 yes. So uh, I just would like to make clear what our position is. Absolutely. What we think grace teaches. Yes, and, uh, yes, and let the Holy Spirit convict and guide and direct. Yeah, yes. Larry Moore yes. used to say if you, uh, there are three types when it comes to this discussion. Uh, some who think just be good, mm -hmm. do more good than bad, and you'll go to heaven. Right. Well, if that's true, Christ didn't have to die, did he? Oh, no. no. Others say, no, you have to believe in Christ, but you also have to be good. Mm -hmm. Well, if that's true, Christ didn't do enough, did he? Mm. And then there are those who think Christ did it all, Yes. paid it all. Amen. And that's the camp we fall into. Oh, love that camp. <laughs> so we, we want to do good. Yeah, yes. We want to do well. We want to do yes. good things. But it's out of a thank you life, not a have to life. Yes. It's out of gratitude for what he's done for us, plus anticipation of how a godly life can glorify him forever. Mm. So probably 50% gratitude, 50% anticipation. Yes. yes. But it's not a have to life. Yes. That's a huge burden. Well, it is. Mm -hmm. And the, the thank you life is so much more full of joy and peace. And, right. Oh, no doubt. You referenced earlier uh, lordship, excuse me, you referenced lordship salvation. Uh, I've heard many over the years uh, sharing the gospel with someone and saying, and of course you need to make Christ Lord of your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, and what they are meaning in that is is a, is a requirement for salvation that you make that commitment. Uh, and uh, now I know that you and I would both agree that Christ is Lord of our life, and we would want to acknowledge Him that way and live our lives that way. Uh, but when it's presented as uh, up front, have you made Christ Lord of your life? If not, then you're not a believer. Uh, again, is that is that go back to that position and condition issue? Uh, Again, I don't throw it into that discussion, position okay. and condition. I just think it's uh, laying a burden on people that Christ doesn't lay. Yes. And uh, Paul didn't lay on them. Yes. Uh, uh, there are those, I think, who commit to the Lordship of Christ the moment they believe mm -hmm. and are saved. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think they're saved because they committed to the Lordship of Christ. Right. But they just happen to believe in Christ as their Savior yes. and committed to Him as their Lord at the same time. I think mm -hmm. uh, Saul of Tarsus would be an example. Oh, yes. I think yes. he was haunted by the specter of Stephen as mm -hmm. he was being uh, 
martyred. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. saw Stephen say, lay not this into their charge. Mm. So, sort of a reenactment of the death of Christ. Yes, then yes. Then haunted him, haunted him, haunted him. So uh, on the road to Damascus, when the light sh- came, mm-hmm. uh, he just said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Yes, yes. Lord, to what do you want me to do? So that's a lordship statement. Mm-hmm. I think he believed and accepted Christ as his Lord of his life all at the same time. And I've met many people have done that. Yes, right? yes. However, I've met many people who haven't done that. That's right. I'm one of them. Who also yeah. uh, were born again or regenerated yeah. at a certain point. It wasn't until years later uh, right. that they were confronted with uh, Romans 12.1, present your body a living sacrifice. Yes. And it's at that point that they trusted in him as their Lord, yeah. not for salvation, but for sanctification. Exactly. And there's a reason Romans 12.1 comes after Romans 4. <laughs> and there's a reason you don't leapfrog from Romans 4 to Romans 12. Mm. You know, if you if you present uh, your body a living sacrifice before you know the principles of position and condition, mm-hmm. you're often uh, presenting uncrucified flesh mm. to the Lord for His service, and that's why there's so many dropouts. Yes, yes. But uh, you, you've got, if you want to call it salvation in chapter four, we we really call it justification. We're going to call that salvation to go to heaven. Then comes sanctification, chapter five mm-hmm. through eight. Then comes a section on security in 9 through 11. Mm-hmm. And once we know that uh, we're justified and we know the principles of sanctification, mm-hmm. and that even if we mess up, we're secure, Yes. now we're ready to serve, mm. Yes. present our bodies. Right. Yes. I'm just, you know, again, I've shared, and I'm thinking of my own experience of being, uh, being saved as a child, accepting Christ as my Savior mm-hmm. when I was 12 years old, but didn't surrender my life to him till I was a, a grown woman uh-huh. and and uh, and it was again the, it was conviction of the Holy Spirit of the life I was living that was not matching up with the life that I had said that that uh, that I believed so um, so everything changed though in that moment that I surrendered just that uh, intense love and intense dedication mm-hmm. of wanting to know him more and wanting to serve him, wanting to love him. And, and uh, so it was just a, 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 an amazing experience. But I guess my point is some have said that was your salvation experience. I said, no, 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 I know I was saved mm-hmm. as a child. Mm-hmm. And, and I, uh, you know, if I, if I would have died, I would have gone to heaven. No, no doubt about that. Uh, but I do know that that moment of surrender was life-changing, mm-hmm. no doubt. Well, a phrase that we often hear uh, that might be used to argue against faith alone and Christ alone for salvation uh, is that we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. So those that espouse that teaching, what are they referring to? I, I really have never really understood what they're trying to say. They're just saying if you don't have works, we'll call it, following okay. your step of faith, and your step of faith wasn't genuine. Okay. So they would say the works don't open the doors of heaven for you, but they're evidence, external evidence, okay. that the doors of heaven have been opened for you. And they would say that your faith opened the doors, right. but then uh, that faith, if not accompanied by good works, mm-hmm. wasn't genuine faith begin with it's spurious faith it's false faith okay so where where they get into different definitions of faith and and mm. uh okay yeah okay yeah, yeah. 
All right. So that's back to your saving faith question. You know, what is saving faith? Yes. Well, they would say, well, if it's not accompanied by uh, a lifestyle that goes on to holiness, then uh, you weren't saved to begin with. Okay. So they see no room for a carnal Christian. Yes. They, they, they see no room for someone struggling with sin uh, to the end of their life. Okay. They would say they're simply not Christians. They're not regenerate. Okay. Uh, I've always appreciated that what you've said is, you know, that, that the Lord sees our roots. Man sees our fruits. The Lord sees our roots. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's still very important that we don't try to judge a brother right because we don't know their heart and there may be works we're not aware of that are internal exactly in fact i would say uh we're often accused of uh just believe and you don't need any lifestyle change at all well i would say things change the moment you believe mm -hmm. inside yes you receive the holy spirit i would say you enjoy many of the fruits of the spirit the moment you believe Mm -hmm. uh, you are a new person in Christ. You're a brand new creation, 2 mm -hmm. Corinthians 5. Uh, that's a radical change. Yes, it is. <laughs> and Absolutely. the normal Christian life then would be to go on and grow and have, have that manifest itself in your life. The question is, does it have to be that way? Mm -hmm. And if there, can there be long periods of winter mm -hmm. uh, in what, someone's life? What if someone became a Christian when they were a little girl and uh, got into high school and... Mm -hmm. uh, had an older boyfriend and uh, compromised. Yes. Covered the guilt, began drinking. That led to more compromise, mm -hmm. more guilt. So now we're into drugs. And this goes on for 10 years. Yes. And then all of a sudden, various things convict her of that lifestyle. Uh, she wants to come back to Christ. Now, what about between the time the first compromise took place and 10 years later? Uh, I've been in as a pastor, mm -hmm. uh, sat and shed tears with many parents whose mm. children went off into that. And if you looked yeah. at their life in the midst of that, you'd say, well, there's no good fruit. And if you had to determine are they regenerate or not, uh, the Reformed faith would have to say no at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We would say we just don't know. Right. Uh, we can see the fruit, in this case the fruit's not good. Mm -hmm. But we can't see the root. Yes. That could be a winter time in that person's life. Yes, yeah. yes. Now, if she does come back, then the Reformed people would say, well, that proves she was a believer all that time, mm -hmm. except yeah. most of them would say 10 years is too long mm -hmm. to continue in sin. They would say they're just not regenerated. Mm. We wouldn't say that. Uh, I think about the prodigal son. There's nothing that says how long he was away, right? No. Nope. Nope. He could have been gone for years and years. Could have been. Yes, mm -hmm. and he was certainly received with open arms. And yet, uh, those in the Reformed faith would say he didn't become a believer until he came back. But he was a son. I would say he was. Yes. <laughs> he didn't stop being a son. Uh, Just a misbehaving son, right? I agree with you. <laughs> uh, it seems that a lot of the confusion that exists over the, the term faith that saves can be traced back to the object of our faith. Uh, how important is it to understand what the object of our faith is and help us to clarify your biblical response to folks who, who, who need clarification on the object of their faith? Well, uh, dispensationalists are accused of having more than one way to heaven, an Old Testament way, a New Testament way. 
But we say no, the requirement for going to heaven has always been the same, faith. Mm -hmm. Abraham believed, it was reckoned unto him for righteousness. Uh, and then we would say the object of their faith uh, is always the same, it's God. Uh, and then we say the means of their faith is always the same, it's the blood of Christ. And it's applied retroactively from Adam up to the cross and mm -hmm. proactively, if I can put it that way, from the cross until the last uh, person comes into the world that's going to be born in flesh and blood into mm -hmm. this world. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the requirements are the same, the objects are the same, the means are the same. What varies is the content of their faith. Before Christ came along, there were promises regarding a Messiah, we think starting in Genesis 3.15. Uh, and the faith seemed to be attached to some sort of messianic expectation. Mm -hmm. But um, David uh, didn't know what Jesus looked like. You know, right. He, he did, in Psalm 110, he appears to have glimpsed into uh, heaven and seen the uh, Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, he says. And seems to have seen the Messiah talking, the Son talking to the Father. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure he had a clear vision of them. Meaning, he didn't. He knew more than Abraham, mm -hmm. but he didn't know mm -hmm. as much as Peter. Right. So there's this right. progressive revelation along the way. But Acts 4.12 makes it pretty clear in this particular time, mm -hmm. since Christ has been here, mm -hmm. there is no other name under heaven given among men yes. by which we can be saved. So mm -hmm. uh, Hebrews 1 would say, now it's a, it's a new... It's a new world, so to speak, now that Jesus has come. He's yes. God's highest revelation. And he then becomes the object of faith. What you've got to be careful of is not putting your faith in faith. Mm. Uh, that's uh, never spoken of in the Bible. You put your faith in Jesus. Yes. That's the yes. object, yes. the Jesus. But uh, there are a lot of people who get into this, did you have the right kind of faith stuff? Mm -hmm. They're back examining their faith to see if they had the right kind of faith and if the answer is yes, then they put their faith in their faith. Mm. Yes, me? I do. Right. <laughs> that right. can become pretty discouraging. And subjective. And introspective. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. In fact, diaries began with the Puritans. And they were keeping a record of their uh, daily life, their good works and their sins, to try to determine if they were elect or not. Hmm. In fact, a guy named John Owen wrote a 650-page book to help you, help you with that exercise. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. <laughs> no peace and joy in that, I, w I wouldn't think. Yeah, for me. <laughs> uh, commitment and good works are so subjective, uh, and it seems, as we've talked, only the Lord can judge our heart. But how would you respond to those who say that the fruit we produce in our life is the ultimate test of salvation? And it may sort of be what we've already talked about, but it, but it, but it's... Um, um, there, there, there are those that, that really want to know uh, what, how much fruit we've produced, as though there's a quantity, as mm -hmm. though there's an amount. Uh, how, do we, how do we get around that? Because we, we want to see good works in believers. Mm -hmm. uh, they're so important. But, but how do we get people's eyes off of them? Maybe is, is the right question. How do you get your eyes off the fruit? Mm -hmm. Well, even John Calvin, whose theology we, uh, for the most part, don't agree with, uh, said, don't look to yourself or you're doomed. Look to mm. Christ. Mm -hmm. But his follower, Theodore Bayes, is the one who began what I call the great fruit inspecting industry in earnest. Yes. And that is because he taught limited atonement, he said Christ mm -hmm. didn't die for all the world. 
all mankind, he died just for the elect. Mm -hmm. So you can't look to Christ for your assurance because yeah. he might not have died for you. Mm. If you're one of the reprobate, as they would call an unbeliever, yes. and he didn't die for you. So you can't find assurance by looking at Christ because you don't know if you're elect or reprobate. Right. The only way to know if you're elect is to look at your fruit. Mm. And so uh, I begin looking at my fruit, and if some of it's rotten, it helps me a lot to look mm. at your fruit. Mm. And if my fruit's a little better than your fruit, I start Then feeling, I feel better. I feel better about myself. <laughs> yes, I do. And uh, uh, that's where that great emphasis began. And yeah. then along with it, uh, uh, the understanding of faith as the commitment of the will to obey everything Christ said to do. Mm -hmm. Well, that's saving faith. Yes. And I'm not doing everything Christ said to do. Then yeah. I must not have had saving faith. Yes. And that's why there's such a crisis in assurance. Wow. Uh, because all the major branches of Christianity teach you have to have this fruit to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. The Roman Catholic Church, under Augustine's influence, said you have to persevere faithfully to the end of your life or you don't get there. Mm -hmm. uh, the Calvinists say you have to persevere faithfully in your life or you never had it. Mm -hmm. The Arminians say you have to persevere faithfully to the end or you lose it. Well, I don't know what percentage of Christianity that is, but they say Catholicism is half of Christianity. And then you've got these major branches, Arminian and Calvinist. I don't know what percentage of what's left that would be. Yes. But I'd be surprised if it's not another 40, 45 yes. percent. Uh, so that's the vast majority of Christianity, I believe, is what you're talking about. Here. Yes. That you yes. have to have this fruit of a good life, and not just for a while. You can slip up for a period of time, which mm -hmm. is undefined by them. Mm -hmm. We don't know how long you can slip up. You can slip up, but you must come back before the end. Mm. Or you were never saved to begin with. Right. Yes. Uh, or you lose it. Or you lose it. Depending on the uh, Armenian point of view. Wow. Well, in closing then, and this really wraps it up nicely, Second uh, Corinthians 13.5 tells us to examine ourselves as to whether we are in the faith. It says, test yourselves. Do you know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Help us to understand the meaning of that passage, because uh, I know it's, it's caused a lot of folks to doubt whether or not they're believed or believers, mm -hmm. because it turns them back to looking at their fruit. Well, context again is king, right? In Second Corinthians, mm -hmm. he was being attacked by what is called in Greek the Hooperleon apostles, the superior apostles, who mm -hmm. thought his apostleship was second rate, and they did their best to try to disqualify him mm -hmm. themselves. Uh, and that's what's even, he's kind of responding to them in Second Corinthians thir uh, 13. But he turns it on him. He says, uh, uh, you question where Christ, whether Christ is working in me? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure he's working in you. <laughs> so he kind of turns it around on him. But this phrase, uh, in the faith, uh, is being taken as, uh, are you a believer or not? Right. Uh, but if you look at the other uses of that, uh, it's, it's more... Uh, are you living consistently what, what you claim to believe? Mm -hmm. Are you living according to the Christian faith? Okay. For example, in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 16, the same group of people, he says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Mm -hmm. Well, that's talking about a, the Christian walk, right? Yes. And so he says, watch, stand fast in the faith. Mm -hmm. Be brave, be strong. So he's talking about living consistently with what you proclaim. Uh, 
or in 1 Peter chapter 5, be sober, be diligent, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom, uh, whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Mm. So again, that's not talking about uh, resist him and receive Christ as your Savior. No, no. no. It's talking about resist him, uh -huh. stand strong in what we believe. Yeah, in what you believe. Yeah, that's what it's talking about. Another one would be uh, Romans 14, verse 1. Receive one who's weak in the faith, but do not, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Receive one who's weak in the faith. That's They're not, in the faith. Yeah, just that, that, that's, well, that's not saying uh, uh, receive someone who is almost about to become a Christian, but is not quite there. Mm -hmm. It's just saying uh, someone whose conscience is not as educated as yours. Mm -hmm. That's a strong conscience was an educated conscience. Mm -hmm. A strong conscience knew God had said it's okay to meet, eat, offer to idols. A weak conscience didn't know that. Right. So it says, uh, don't shun the weaker brother. You know, yeah. It's not saying someone who isn't a Christian. Mm -hmm. It's just saying someone who's uh, not as mature yes. as you. So a lot of that's uh, in, in, involved there. That's, all, that's good. Again, putting everything in context mm -hmm. uh, really helps clarify so much. Yep. Thank you so much, Dr. Anderson, for your insight today. This was yeah, so helpful. It's fun. Always fun. And thanks to you, our listeners, it's always our prayer that our topics will stir interest to get into God's Word and to grow in your knowledge and your love for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Also, if you haven't done so, we encourage you to check out the many courses offered through Grace School of Theology to expand your biblical knowledge and to deepen your faith. You may have friends and family who need to hear about God's amazing grace. Sharing our podcast is a perfect way to start that conversation. This podcast is yours. If you have topic ideas or questions that you would like to have answered, send those by email to savinggrace at gsot.edu or tweet us at savinggracecast. We're so glad you tuned in today. Remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.